0: Hello, and welcome to the Slow Style Home Podcast. If you don't want a cookie-cutter, generic home, and instead you want a beautiful, meaningful home that's layered with personality, then you are going to be so inspired by the conversations we have on this show. We talk about why the environments we create matter, and how to set up our rooms to evoke specific feelings and experiences that are right for you wherever you are in your life right now. I'm Zandra, your host and creator of the Slow Style Home Framework that teaches you how to make really thoughtful and informed decisions about your home rather than chasing current trends that may not last or staying stuck with rooms you hate, feeling overwhelmed with too many choices. Right now, when you join our monthly membership, The Slow Style Society, you'll get a personalized deep dive into your vision of what a dream home looks and feels like. And together, we'll come up with a plan on how to achieve that. If that sounds pretty awesome to you, go to slowstylehome.com and click on Join the Society for all of the details. I'll tell you a little bit more about it later on. Right now, let's just jump into today's episode. Hello and welcome to the Style Matters podcast brought to you by Little Yellow Couch, an online interior design coaching company. I'm Zandra, your host, and I truly believe you shouldn't put off living inside something beautiful and energizing and nurturing for some imaginary perfect time in your life. You need those things now. So on this show, we talk about creating a home that feels meaningful and works beautifully by creating your very own signature style. And pretty soon, you'll be able to attend a free workshop I'm leading where I'll teach you the specific framework I use to create that signature style. It's called The Four Skills You Need to Create Your Signature Style. It's pretty straightforward. It's live on Zoom with me where after my presentation, I'll stay on for Q&A and you can ask me anything about your home. There are four dates to choose from starting May 25th and these do fill up. So jump on it now. And again, yes, it's free, so there's no reason not to come and join me. For more info, go to littleyellowcouch.com and click on Workshop. Now, before we get started, I want to thank today's sponsor. Sponsors are part of the reason this show can stay on the air and keep bringing you great interviews. So thank you so much to Annie's Kit Clubs. Annie's Kit Clubs enable you to add handcrafted elements to your home, with everything delivered to your door. They specialize in DIY crochet, knit, and sewing projects, and they also have a few other kinds of kits as well. These are beginner-friendly, but also range into every skill level. For example, they've got this Afghan Block of the Month Club, where you'll crochet your own heirloom quality afghan featuring a unique pattern for each block. So you'll be learning or perfecting dozens of stitches while creating a beautifully textured final blanket. Each kit includes all the yarn and patterns to crochet three new blocks per month. You crochet 30 blocks in all and your 11th kit walks you through finishing your afghan. I love the pacing of these projects. You just do a little at a time so that a big project like an afghan doesn't feel so overwhelming. Now, if you're more of a sewer, another great kit is the charm pack club. You know, if you love seeing a stash of fabrics just waiting for the perfect project, you're going to get plenty with this one because you get a new shipment of 42 pieces From America's top fabric designers every month. And they always include a new pattern added to your online library so you never run out of ideas. And here's the best part, okay? Annie's is offering listeners of this podcast. 75% off the first month of a kit subscription. That's right. 75% off your first month using promo code STYLEMATTERS75. Now, I've had a lot of sponsors in the past. Nobody's offered anything like this before. You can use it on any monthly subscription. If you or your best friend or your mom, your babysitter, kids, anyone you know loves to do a DIY project, this is Perfect. I'll link to everything in the show notes page for this episode, but you can also just go straight to annieskitclubs.com and use the code STYLEMATTERS75 at checkout. Again, that's annieskitclubs.com and use STYLEMATTERS75 at checkout. All right, let's jump into today's episode. First of all, I just want to say that I am recording this outdoors, just this little intro, Uh, because it's gorgeous out, and I hope that you are also in a place on the globe where you are enjoying this beautiful weather. So if you hear a few birds chirping in the background, you'll know why. Okay, so my guest, Shanae Richards, is the design genius behind Aloro Interiors, and don't worry, we cover what that name means in the conversation, Aloro, it's a beautiful word. If you were to meet Shanae at a party, she's one of those people whom you'd end up cornering and not letting go of because she's just so dang interesting. She's one of those people that afterwards you go, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I went to that party, otherwise I never would have met Shanae. So just as if we were at a cocktail party, our conversation goes in and out of many doorways, leaving me wanting more. We talk about things like abundance in one breath and minimalism in the other, both of which she has an unusual perspective on. And we also touch on art and social and economic justice, business, and of course, Why Style Matters. I think you're really going to enjoy this one. Here's Shanae. Shanae Richards, welcome to the Style Matters Podcast.
1: Hi, Xandra. Thanks
0: for having me. Yeah, uh, I'm really excited to talk with you today. And I want to just start off right away by asking you about the name of your company, because it's got a really cool name and interesting background to it. Um, And then talk a little bit about your background. So first of all, Aloro Interiors, where did you come up with the name?
1: Thanks. That's a really good question. And I like when folks ask me that because I get to tell them all about what Aloro <laughs> means to me. So yes. I have a family based business and wanted to incorporate my family name somehow. And my last name is Richard's, which is really, really common. And no right. one wants another Richard Interiors. <laughs> right. and so Aloro means rich and wealthy in the West African language of Yoruba. And <sighs> I thought that was just a great compliment to what it is that we're doing in our firm.
0: Oh, I love that. I, I, that is so beautiful. And yes, I would agree. Like you, you, there's a lot of abundance, feeling of abundance that I get from your work, um, which is such a beautiful feeling. So, uh, tell us a little bit about how you started because you started in finance. So, That's which right. to me feels like on the opposite end of the scale. So what pulled you into the world of design?
1: It can be on the opposite end of the scale. And I did start in finance. And because of that, I'm still able to use a lot of that experience now. But many years ago, I began helping friends who worked in the production space with set design. Oh. i talking photo shoots, videos, and print ads. And that was my start. Uh, interesting. After several years of doing that, I began working more in the restaurant residential space and I found my niche
0: there. mm -hmm. And so, yes, I'm sure finance, once you became your own business owner, of course, that part of your brain and all that experience, I'm sure does come in handy that, you know, some other people might not have. Um, So, yeah, I can see why you're happy about that background. But what do you, what did you love about it? What did you love about design that really made you go, okay, I, I need to leave the world of finance, at least as a career. and and pursue this other, this other love of mine.
1: I think there was this opportunity to change lives in the way people lived and used their space. Mm. Um, I wanted to make sure that folks felt the way in their space that I do in mine, that I wasn't settling Mm. and that there was more around me that inspired me and enriched me. And that's what it is. That's what it's about in my home life. And I wanted others to feel that way as well.
0: Huh. That's, that's really uh, powerful. So uh, talk a little bit more about this idea of not wanting to settle because, um, you know, I, I think that, that for people who don't have lots of disposable income, you know, they, they often feel that way. Well, I'm settling, I don't get my dream home or whatever. So how do you, how do you flip that around? You know,
1: I think we have to rethink the way we think about riches and wealth and items in our home. Furniture doesn't necessarily have to be expensive. Yes, quality furniture comes at a cost, but there are a lot of things that you can thrift and you can mm-hmm. um, purchase and estate sales. But it's more than that. Our homes are supposed to be a reflection of who we are and what we love most and things that inspire us and push us. Mm-hmm. It may just mean taking the stuff out of the boxes that you moved in with a couple years ago and seeing what works in this new space. You know, it's not necessarily always about buying the most fancy or you know, getting the newest wallpaper, and maybe about trying a design in your own home. You know, people are DIYers, and I can respect that. I, when I say not settling, I mean just not having a home that's representative of you. Yeah. And so I think that's a that's a piece of it that we don't often talk about. Is that we just we move into places and we leave it. You know, when we go into <laughs> apartments, we don't want to put any nails in the wall walls that we're paying for every single month yeah and so I think about settling in that way, not changing the space to reflect ourselves,
0: yeah, I completely agree. I feel like there's this um syndrome of this dumping ground syndrome, right mm-hmm. where you just either like you were kind of just talking about it you you move in and you just don't unpack boxes for a while, mm-hmm. and then five years have gone by and you still haven't unpacked the boxes, or your couch stays in the spot that the movers put it in five years ago, and you've never even moved it around. And yeah, I I guess that is another form of settling. And you also said something about that I really liked about you want your our homes to represent us and also push us. What do you mean by that?
1: Pushing us to be our best selves. When you look around your home and see the things that you love, it should want to make you do better. You know, mm-hmm. you should look at the art, perhaps look at where you're sitting and where you're eating. And all of the feelings that come along with that, all of the beautiful feelings that come along with comfort and ease should push you in a way. Yeah. And so that's that's what I think.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I, I 100% agree. And I, I don't think we talk about that very much in terms of what our homes can do for us. We we talk a lot about them being a refuge and a sanctuary, which is great and important, but I love the idea of also pushing us to be better, to be to be more of who we really want to become, I
1: guess. Yeah. Yeah. And that can take so many different forms. I paint my house just about every other year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do. And I recently finished, I think last weekend, I started painting just some baseboards and, some, and a ceiling. Right. And – I feel like, OK, this is a, a new chapter for me, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I just and it's not something super pricey. It's time consuming. If I I didn't want to hire someone to do it because I could have done it myself. And I did. It, it, but it took time. Yeah. I realized, however, though, the, the importance of trades, because my painting, a ceiling and a <laughs> trades person, it looks very, very different. But I'm a, I appreciate it. I appreciate the little spot that I missed because I know it makes you right. laugh. Not perfection, right? And it right. feels
0: good. Right. I think there's, there's, bo- there's something to be said for both of those things. You, you know, there's the, the feeling of accomplishment when you do it yourself. There's the, the, the chuckle that you get, as you just said, when you know there's this little quirk that you missed or whatever. Mm-hmm. But then there's that appreciation, right, for the, the skill and the experience that goes into some of, the, some of this work. Um,
1: exactly.
0: But this idea of time – Yeah, I I, I think that we are really in this culture right now of immediacy, Mm -hmm. and I want it now, I want it yesterday, I want it delivered, I want it, you know, Mm -hmm. but it sounds like you think of time a little bit differently, that there's something, I don't know, that we can learn from it or something.
1: Yeah, okay, I'll tell you this funny thing, I don't own a microwave. Oh, okay. Okay. I I also don't have a TV, but that's another story. But the microwave is even more controversial in my family because <laughs> <laughs> how could someone not want to have their meal, you know, ready and in front yeah. of them in minutes? I I don't want that. I mm. like to take my time. Huh? I like my food in the oven, and yes, it means I'm gonna have to plan things out. It means that if I want a snack, it either better be coming out the refrigerator. Or a piece of fruit, or something right. that I'm going to have to wait a half hour for. Right. And so I choose to take my time with certain things. Good things take time. Mm,
0: good things do take time, and our mm-hmm. homes, exactly. I love, mm-hmm. I love that little that little insight into into how you've prioritized your life. And it also sounds like time is not an enemy to you. I think so much of us feel like we're against time, instead mm-hmm. of allowing it, or it's not allowing it, but but instead of using it as as a way to accomplish something more meaningfully, I guess.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: You know, I'm going to have to circle back to that TV question, but
1: um, <laughs> I'll come back to that later. Um,
0: all right. I don't know. You mentioned just now that you're maybe going through a little bit of a transition, but at least right now, uh, you have been describing yourself as a minimalist. And when I see see photos of your home, I, I get what you mean by that because there's a lot of breathing room around every object and we can really appreciate things on their own. There, Well, there's just a lot of breathing room in your space in general, but I would not call your home stark or clinical and feel at all. So help us understand how minimalists can still make their homes feel impactful without a lot of stuff. We'll be back after a quick break. I assume you're here because you want a -a one-of-a-kind, personality-filled home, right? Well, in order to have that, you need to define and develop your signature style. When you do that, you're going to understand how to mix what you already have with new things you find, focusing on who you are and what you love, putting it all together in a cohesive way. So what's stopping you? Well, let me know if this sounds about right. Not enough time, not enough money, and a lack of creativity or design knowledge, which makes you feel overwhelmed and insecure about pulling the trigger and changing things up. This is why I created the Slow Style Society, to help you take action on making your dream home a reality. It's part social club for people who like to just geek out on design, and part hands-on learning experience where you get better and better at making decor decisions for each room in your home. And for the next few weeks, I'm offering all new members an additional one-on-one style session with yours truly. So I'll take you through the lessons so you know exactly what to focus on inside the Slow Style Framework, in what order, and you'll have a personalized support system from me to get you there. Go to slowstylehome.com and click on Join the Society so we can get started right away. Let's not wait for that imaginary perfect time to create your beautiful, meaningful home. Again, go to slowstylehome.com and click on Join the Society. Okay, back to the episode.
1: You know, I think that first we have to define minimalism and just some of the terms that we use. And I know for me, minimalism is not just in our homes or in my home in particular, it's in my wardrobe. Mm-hmm. It's you know, it's the things that I wear on a daily basis. I try to have to make decisions um, fast, right? Uh-huh. And so when I do that, I limit my options. And so I have three dresses that I wear and one pair of pants and I have about several of them. And there's one sweater that I have on repeat. I have several of them, but they're all the same color and it just limits my decision-making. And I think when I talk about me being a minimalist in my life, it's more than just in my home. It's my wardrobe. It's the way I operate. Uh, I wouldn't say it's been the way I eat, but that's another story. But in my home, you know, I wouldn't, I, I think that again, defining minimalism for me, it's just making sure I have the things that I need and love and use all the time. And those are the things that are, um, here with me, you know, the things that are, I don't like having things in excess, things that I don't need. I don't want to have around. It just becomes that junk drawer that just becomes a junk room. And Mm -hmm. so I try to just have what I need. And then sometimes you have things in your life and you use them for a while and They are, they don't have the same meaning anymore. And I want to let go of those things. And so, you know, you give away and you donate. And sometimes you have to throw away the things that just belong in the trash. Yeah. Yeah. So we just have to think about when I think about minimalism, I think of it in terms of you know, having things around us and you can, you know, things belong in a place. I feel like, you know, even as minimalist <laughs> Maximus, as long as things have a place, then you're good. Yeah. Um, but for me, I just want to limit all of that. I like space. You know, I like um, space on the wall. I like not having to run into things. I don't yeah. like clutter and that's a part of it.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and, and on the impactful side, I, I And you're right, it isn't just your home, because there's this one picture of you that's on your website, um, and you're wearing this fabulous... it almost looks like a kimono, but it, it's this fabulous jacket. Oh, it is. It is a kimono. Okay. It and these is. fantastic pants that have got a lot of texture to them and everything. Those so- are my favorite pants. Oh. I have
1: several <laughs> pairs of those okay. pants. Those are okay. the ones. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, you look you look fantastic. And there's this, you actually look like you're like I am taking up space and there's all this space for me, this breathing room for me to occupy. And and um and so the choice that you're making about what you're wearing is in and of itself very impactful. You're just saying, I don't have a ton of it. I just have a couple of impactful things. And I guess that's what I was noticing about your um, your, your home, your, your work, your interior work, is that there's a lot of really fantastic things in the homes that you've designed. It's just that there's, they kind of stand on their own. hmm and, and I, I just think there's a lot that minimalists can learn from you because it's not necessarily about being all beige or all, you know, nothing. Or like I said, like I said, it's not at all clinical feeling. It's very warm, um, but, but it's just, I don't know, there's just this opportunity to really see everything because there's not a lot of it, but the things that there are there to see are really fantastic, yeah, especially can, the artwork that you
1: choose. Exactly. We can see a space for what it is and you can, you may maybe curated with art it, and it may have an accent wall and it may be in color. I think folks think that because I'm yeah. minimalist, they're expecting these white walls and I exactly. do have an appreciation for white walls, but minimalists can design in color. Color yeah. less does not work for me all the time, mm-hmm, so. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah.
0: Absolutely. I, I totally agree. The minimalists have been put in a, in a box that's way too small for them, I think, generally speaking. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> We're going to pause here for just a minute so that I can remind you about our upcoming free workshop called The Four Skills You Need to Create Your Dream Home. And in it, I'll share the entire framework I've developed and continue to use to create my own signature style. It's practical, hands-on, and definitely doable, regardless of your budget, regardless of your skill level. These are the four things that you need to simply work on, practice, get better at, learn about, in order to create that magical, meaningful, beautiful place that you are thinking of when you say, oh, I want my dream home. So if you've been at all interested in taking what you've learned on this podcast and turning that inspiration into a reality, join me for one of these live workshops. There are four dates to choose from between May 25th and the 31st. So it's a really small window. There are four different days with four different times to hopefully um, accommodate anyone's schedule. The workshops are on Zoom so you can join me directly from the comfort of your home and they will be recorded but I highly recommend that you join me live because first of all you'll get the live Q&A where I will answer any question that you might have about your home some really good personalized attention from me and if you join live there is also a little bonus that you'll be eligible for just for showing up live so Go to littleyellowcouch.com, click on workshop for more info and to choose your date and time. I really hope to see you there. I love doing these things. I love getting to see people's faces and talk with you personally about home and design and all of the things that we are all crazy about. So go sign up right now. All right, let's get back to today's episode. Okay, I want to ask you about two of your. I'm going to call them hobbies, or maybe they're just part of who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, you're obviously a plant lover, and so I want to mm-hmm. ask you about your advice on choosing and caring for them. Because wow, people really want to bring plants into their homes r- lately, and and uh, and and you know how how do you incorporate them into your home and make them feel like they're really part of your? They're sort of an extension of your design. They're not. They're not separate from the furniture you choose or the paintings that you choose or whatever.
1: Certainly. And this is for folks who just want to pick up a plant and it's how my decision-making is informed when I buy plants for clients, choosing the right plant for the right person for the right place. Okay. You have to make sure that folks are ready for plants. They're folks mm. that just do not have the wherewithal to water this thing regularly yeah, or to make sure it's in the best light or to even think about fertilizer. So right. you have to give the right person the right plant. And then also you have to think about where it's going to be placed in the home. You mm-hmm. know, plant folks love plants everywhere, but if you have a dark room with yeah. no windows, the plant's not going to survive guys. And although I am, almost 99% against faux plants. Mm -hmm. Sometimes a plant just can't go in a room. You can use some other kind of floral design, maybe a dried flower. Mm -hmm. But I I feel like I go about choosing the right plants for clients when I talk through their needs. And of course, plants are almost one of the last things that I put in after the essential pieces are in. Uh, And it's taken it because of that. It's taken me some time to see what the client is about, what they can handle. You no, know, everybody mm. loves fiddle leaf fix. Everyone yeah. loves them, but folks will get their feelings hurt if they're not able to take care of that plant. It is quite temperamental, and it sometimes requires a lot of care and a lot of um, Beyonce, as I say. <laughs> um, you know, folks want the beautiful plants, and the, but they have. Plants that are just right for you. Perhaps you just need a snake plant, you know, or maybe yeah. a little rubber tree, or maybe you just need an air plant. Depending on where you are and who you are and what your needs are, what your capabilities are. Yeah. And so I, I think about it in that way.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and and I think too, not being too afraid to to try a plant in a spot, and if it, it just pay attention to it. If it's not working, exactly. try moving it before you give up on it. Right. Exactly.
1: I mean, uh, yeah. And don't get the depressed from plants. that Plants die. <laughs> my plant journey is lined with stuff that just didn't make it. Uh, get another one. Get one that will work for you. Uh, yeah. And and that's just that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And also, what is up with these manufacturers not putting holes in the bottoms of their, pl- Why uh, their pots? Why would
1: anyone do this?
0: Oh my gosh. Why? I cannot tell you the number of beautiful pots I look up. I pick it up. No hole. Ugh. Right. Number yeah, one plant killer. No drainage hole. Drainage
1: holes. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yes.
0: Frustrating. Frustrating. I'm going to, you know, if you ever start a pot line in your company, <laughs> let me know. I'll be buying all of them. Um, know. Uh, and then the other hobby, quote unquote, I want to talk to you about, you've already sort of alluded to is that you're a foodie. Any advice for setting up or styling your kitchen that will help us be better cooks or inspire us to stretch our skills?
1: This is a great question. I just think a neat and tidy kitchen will help everyone become their best selves in the kitchen and other places of their home. So I'm talking making sure that your cabinets have ample room for the things that you have. I'm saying getting rid of some of those plastic containers from takeout that you don't use all the time. Oh, yeah. And eliminating the junk drawer, not completely, but let's try, right? Just uh-huh. getting rid of the things that we don't use on an everyday basis so that we can quickly get to the things that we need
0: yeah i'm I'm getting a theme here from you. like pare down, get rid of the stuff you're not using. Stop holding on to everything. How often would you say you you like clean out your cupboards?
1: Oh, I would say maybe two or three times a year, not that yeah that okay. think. I love it. Yeah. I think usually after Thanksgiving when we're trying to store food in the refrigerator and you realize you have one too many tops, then it's time.
0: Yeah, right. just around there. (laughs) Right, right. All right. I want to also talk about your artwork. I can't believe I haven't even mentioned it yet. You (laughs) also paint. So when did you start painting and what what subject matter are you drawn to?
1: I... I'm an abstract painter, oil on canvas is my love at mm. the moment. Mm. And I started painting in 2020, in the summer of 2020, ah. I was just like everyone else, deep into the pandemic, oh. not knowing what those next months were going to look like. And then it was 2020, you know, there was a racial reckoning happening in yes. our country and there were murders of people of color that broke our hearts. And yep. Because I wasn't able to go and be near my immediate family, I needed an outlet for all of that. Mm. And so I turned my garage into a painting studio. Mm -hmm. And I started there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, I was going to ask you about that painting studio. It's really cool. Just describe it for us, because I think you said you didn't really do much to it, but wow, it really doesn't no. look like a garage anymore.
1: It doesn't. I painted it black and hung up some string lights, guys. It really is as <laughs> basic as they come. Because you know, I it like I said in the pandemic, I just wanted to do something. And I had a bunch of black paint left over from a project and used okay. it in the space and added a nice rug yeah. and started there. And because, you know, I love music, you just sitting there and then I can play music and paint for hours. And it felt at the time like a retreat for me. You know, it's oh. very different from the rest of my home. My home has a lot of light colors in some spaces mm-hmm. and you know, it had beautiful lighting. This gave a different vibe. It was almost like a club. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it can, it felt like that to me.
0: Yeah. It's very, it's a very cool vibe. Yeah. Um, So I want to tell you mentioned, you know, the, the reckoning that, that had kind of begun in 2020, I mean, begun m- multiple times in the history yeah. of this country, but this one, this one's, exactly. you know, that we're all living through and, um, uh, you know, long time coming. Um, Where do you think we stand with that? Um, Black Lives Matter was, I felt like it was one of the, well, I don't know. I didn't live through the 60s, but it felt like as a white person, it felt like, well, white people are finally getting involved. And in a way that they really haven't. Like people, you know, it's like, well, it's not my problem. I can't relate to it. It's not my neighborhood, whatever. And I feel like, I don't know, it just felt like the whole country was, Sort of standing up. Now, I realize that that's not the whole country, but in my little world, it felt like that. Um, where do you think we are today? Is it lost its steam? Are we still pushing forward? And, and how do you feel like it's kind of trickled down into the design world?
1: Hmm. I'd like to start with your last question first about how it has trickled down into the design world. Sure. I think that we know that less than 5% of the interior designers in this country are black. Mm. And that is something that I don't know has changed in the past two years. I don't know what, what the data is on that. But I know that in 2020, a lot of folks got Opportunities. Some of the shelter mags Wanted to put us in them mm-hmm. um, But what I'm not seeing enough of Are paid opportunities For my colleagues uh, I know that folks want to give folks uh, I'm sorry Let me rephrase that I know that magazines and outlets Want to give us opportunities and That they're calling exposure But my colleagues need money yeah. They need branding deals They need book deals Uh they they are deserving of so much more that they than they've gotten so in terms of where we are not you know we are on the shoulders of some of the folks that have been doing this work for a very long time the joy molars of the world Mm -hmm. the sheila bridges Mm -hmm. um and there's so many people out there that has have been doing the Key to Turner's. They've been doing yeah. this for very, very long. And I'm glad that they're getting some of their due now, but they deserve a whole lot more. They okay. deserve yeah. more. And so I don't know if we are making progress there. You know, and I don't, I, I don't know where we stand in this country. I mean, we're still seeing all of this stuff happen yeah. um, day in and day out. So I don't know if I have the best response there Um, but I I would like to see more happen in our industry. I think Joy and others have paved the way and done work just not as black designers, but just as designers. And they haven't gotten there just to. And I want to see that. I want to see more of that.
0: Right, right. Yes. I've been a longtime reader of her columns and her work and, and Sheila Bridges, of course, is phenomenal.
1: I just want to say a word about Joy because she is a personal friend of mine, but she is the reason why I knew that I could be a designer. Oh, know Joy was the first woman of color who I knew was a designer, and she will always be to me the best designer in this universe. Wow. Not, her personality, her business acumen, her style – She's an incredible human. She reaches out and mentors folks when she doesn't have to. Mm. Uh, she, she's a good girl, a good egg. She's just <laughs> she's really an awesome person. I can't say enough good words about Joy.
0: Oh, my gosh. Well, that is a wonderful, wonderful to hear. I, I love that. Makes me appreciate her even more now, knowing kind of like behind the scenes what a, what a great person she is and what a mentor. Yeah. Um, well, thank you for sharing that. Okay, well, I want to, I want to kind of stick with the art conversation a little bit Mm -hmm. longer. You know, you, you obviously feel strongly about the connection between art and the health of communities. And I I say that because of your work as a mural arts fellow in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. And, and I mean, I believe that the more artwork I see in a city, the more I feel that the city is honoring the daily lives of its residents. I mean, Mm -hmm. for people to walk by art big art, you know, that's outside is, is so important. So anyway, tell us, tell us all about this mural arts fellowship in Philadelphia and what, what that means, what it is, what you do.
1: In 2020, the mural arts program in Philadelphia, which is one of the leading art societies here in Philly, they chose several individuals to be in the inaugural class of, their artists in the city and I was the only interior designer selected amongst so many other talented artists including Yannick Lowry who's a collage artist um, based in Philadelphia and what that meant was we just had the opportunity to network with each other and have conversations meaningful conversations about projects and the direction of design in the city with various stakeholders and those conversations still continue to this day so I'm very appreciative of the work that Mural Arts has done for its fellows both last year, the 2020 year last year and this Uh year
0: wow well that sounds really exciting so describe for us what kind of stuff has come out of that
1: Certainly. So for many of us, we've had gallery opportunities, solo shows mm. and and sales, most importantly, yeah, yeah. Um, and just the opportunity to, to talk to people in spaces that we may have. We may not have without their support. And so mm. just being in being placed in rooms um, to have specific conversations about the direction of our work, our potential shows. And just avenues that we can go down that folks don't think about. I just want to say, though, that there is a business behind art and a business behind most of the work that we do that we don't often talk about. Okay. And I think having the business conversation with folks. Um, is important yes I do have a finance background so it's easier for me to have a lot of the conversations but some folks don't have the conversations about you know finance in their background and how right. that art may or may not be able to support them years down the line so I think having those talks and and how to brand yourself better and how to uh, think about multiple streams of income things like that are conversations that we were having um, as a result of the fellowship that we are still having now
0: That is so important. I completely agree. I think that, you know, back maybe in, I guess, the 90s when I was really becoming aware of of um, the business of the arts, there was this. It was almost like taboo. Like you weren't a real artist if you cared about money, which is so ridiculous. <laughs> but I mean, there was that whole. That there was that that feeling, like you know, like you needed to be above it all, and and <laughs> so unrealistic. Um, and no other no other profession asks you to to think of yourself that way or to think of money that way. And now, I, you know, I, I'm glad that it's coming. Up more. I'm glad that artists are are not just realizing that they need to do it, but that not feeling badly about it. Like, yeah, you've got to make a living. I mean, you, and and I think that the resources to learn how to do that they're not they're not always there, and the support, the mentorship mentorship, and everything, which kind of leads me to, to another question I have for you, which I realize isn't just for artists, but your. You are the managing director of entrepreneurial, of the entrepreneurial resource center with the Philly housing authority, which I, again, I I realize that's not just for people who are artists that you're, that you're mentoring here. But, but yeah, this, this frank discussion about, it's not just always about following your passion. It's about. Making a living at it. So tell us about how did you become the managing director?
1: I mean, that's kind of that's really cool. I think this is one of the reasons why I have no television. I have no time to watch. Oh, ok. I, <laughs> I am uh, the managing director of this beautiful center in the heart of North Philadelphia. and, In 2020, I started leading a team of rock stars. And essentially what we do is develop pathways for budding entrepreneurs who live in our communities. Mm. Uh, Resident leaders and the executives at the Housing Authority had long discussed starting a program for residents who see... Uh, entrepreneurship as a vehicle for self sufficiency. And so that's what we created. We started first with just a workshop series where industry leaders would come in at the time it was virtually everything is virtual oh, oh. Um, and present on a range of topics from like budgeting and cash flow to legal formation and yeah. how to market your business. And then, you know, those everything that we do is at no cost to our community members. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then we developed a six-month fellowship. And that just meant we provided more hands-on work with folks through their journey. And we are... I wouldn't say we are. I know I am a big believer that folks cannot simply financial literacy their way out of poverty. So as a part of this, folks get up to $5,000 in funding to get their business started. Yep. Um, And those funds can help them through things like establish their LLC, get a bank account, maybe get MBE or WBE certified or some of the supplies Mm. um, that they need to start their business. And so I'm proud of the work that we've done at the center we're in our. We're about to start our third cohort of fellows, mm. um, and this year we launched an entrepreneur in residence initiative, similar to what the for, uh, the VCs do. Oh, um, and we have two very special people who finish cohort one and they're eligible for up to $55,000 in funding. And you know what seed money uh, like that can uh, do for any small business. And so yes. we are not only doing the work of helping people to grow their business, but we're, you know, we're, we're having conversations about why it is that people of color don't think that they can earn money in this way or should earn money in this way and why our ideas aren't supported. And so I'm just Mm. able to use a lot of the things that I've learned over the years as a business owner to, um, help build this program out. Wow. You sound so passionate about
0: it and it's such a, it's sound like talk about changing lives. That is Mm. amazing. And, and, Tell us, what are some examples of some of the kinds of businesses that people are looking to start or have started?
1: So many. We have a (laughs) lot of chefs. We have folks who have car detailing businesses. We have a woman who is making a custom brazier company. We have four folks with, uh, where there's this one gourmet corn business. There's Mm. this woman who has, uh, she's a seamstress. Um, and she has a, a clothing line there are several clothing lines actually and there's this <laughs> there's a mortuary transportation service I mean they're, there's oh, wow. everything. folks they' they're everything all of these ideas are viable right yeah. and so they just needed not only the funding but the push and I think yes. that's what a lot of our our program does is folks forget that you know we're told, On so many occasions, what we can't do, why we can't do it, Mm -hmm. and I think having a cheerleader, a built-in cheerleader behind you, whose role it is to is specifically for you to um, know that you can succeed.
0: Oh, and talk about giving people their due. You know, like, you know, like you just said, it's not a hobby. I mean, come on, people, people are creating amazing things. They're, they're not. They're creative in in a traditional sense, but also just creative thinkers and problem Mm -hmm. solvers and. Um, yeah, that, that is so exciting. I just love hearing the energy in your voice around all of that. Um, I want to, I want to wrap up. We're going to kind of switch gears a little bit here as we wrap up, but I want to hear your take on my signature question, which is why does style matter?
1: So let's just be honest. Style matters, whether that's your interior style, exterior style, even your personal style. It all matters. It sets the tone for what you do and who you are. And sometimes folks need help with that. And that's why design firms exist, because folks want to develop a cohesive style. And Mm. I know that may not be easy for people to kind of figure out on their own. But just know that that style will have an impact on how you live, how you think, and how you work. And so it's important to make it work for you. Yeah.
0: Well, you said it. You said, I feel like I'm my best self in my home. And that is that is, that is the goal for all of us, or it should be. Um, and so it's very powerful. Well, Sinead, it's been so delightful to get to know you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Okay, I hope that was helpful and inspiring. Do check out our website, littleyellowcouch.com, where you can see photos and links from this episode, learn about my slow style approach to design, and grab your free style guide to get you started on your signature style today. Have a great week. Bye for now.